When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. A lawyer and a farmer walk into a field. While this scenario may sound like the intro to a bad joke, in the agricultural sector, these kinds of relationships are key. Finding the right legal structure for your farm can be overwhelming, from liability and taxation to the overall sustainability. It is not a one-size-fits-all approach. So where do you begin? I'm Charity Sievecker with the Midwest Farm Report, and Rachel Armstrong, Executive Director of Farm Commons, tells us just that. She breaks down what steps to take and what really matters in order to be successful. First off, there's not one legal structure that's really best for all farm businesses. A lot of folks choose to use the sole proprietorship or the partnership, which aren't exactly a legal structure. They're more like lack of a legal structure. And that comes with risks. Now, some people are tolerant of those risks. Personal assets are available to satisfy business liabilities, but then other people think that and think, oh my God, that's not an acceptable risk. I would like a corporation or an LLC. And honestly, between the corporation or the LLC, they are quite comparable. You can achieve similar objectives with both of them. People say the LLC is more flexible. Technically, that's true in some ways, but those points of flexibility aren't often very meaningful to farms. Like, for example, you can have more than 100 owners or members, as the law calls them. I don't know any farms with more than 100 owners, at least not the type that I work with. So I don't think those distinctions are too influential to farms. So corporations and LLCs, they're going to get you where you're trying to go when that is protection of your personal assets from business liabilities. Are there any specific considerations when it comes to structuring ownership, especially when there are multiple stakeholders? Yeah, no matter what business structure people choose, you know, whether it's a partnership, an LLC, or a corporation, one of the things that farmers often miss is writing the governance document that goes with it. So an LLC has an operating agreement, corporations have bylaws, and a partnership has a partnership agreement. Even if they are legally required, you're not legally required to put in good time and effort and write a good document. So a lot of folks skip that step. They're like, geez, we formed the corporation. Is that not good enough? Well, that's a missed opportunity. These governance documents answer extremely important questions like what are we required to put into the farm business? Money? Labor? When? How? What do we get out of it? When do we get you know, a return on our investment? Is it during the course operations or only upon retirement or what? What about disputes? What about who's handling governmental obligations? These are really important questions, and they're actually the ones that tend to spell the success or the death of the farm business. So just because we don't legally have to draft a good document that really represents our goals, our ideals, and our actual plans, we benefit tremendously when we do that. So asking those questions, finding an answer to them, those to me are key considerations for really being successful over the long term with your farm business. How can you make sure you're being compliant when it comes to local zoning regulations for the farm? Zoning is so local. I mean, the number one recommendation is read it. And that's hard. You know, I don't want to say it like it's just something everybody's going to do while eating their lunchtime sandwich. It's Sometimes it's an investment of time. But it's one that really yields a lot of benefits to that investment. Even if it takes two to three hours to really sit down, figure out, number one, are you in an area that's zoned agricultural? 
Well, that's a really good start, and you can presume a lot of what your farm is doing is going to be allowed. But there's nuances even within that. Are you considering doing agritourism? Are you going to do value-added processing? Do you want to do on-farm housing? Those are things that even in an agricultural zone, you can find restrictions in terms of when, how, how large you can get with those things. So read that zoning code and become familiar with what is said and what is not said. How can a farmer protect their farm's interests when it comes to lease agreements or land use contracts? I'd say the biggest barrier to success that I see between owners and the people doing the leasing is not talking enough about all different aspects of that land use. I do see that a fair number of farmers have written leases in place, but those leases aren't detailed enough. They don't specify exactly which type of agricultural operations are allowed to happen. They don't go into detail about any specific restrictions that might be in place. Things about who needs to carry insurance, what kind, how do we renew this lease? What happens if we have a dispute between us? Who are we going to go to to try to resolve that? Those are really proactive things we can do to help create a strong relationship, which is ultimately what we want. Anyone who's in a leasing relationship knows that you know, longer is better. And being able to continue that relationship matters. And those relationships continue the best when we talk about what it is that we want out of this relationship and come to agreement. What suggestions do you have when it comes to farmers balancing being sustainable and environmentally friendly, but also making sure they're meeting those legal requirements, any legal obligations that they have when it comes to food safety, all of those things that they need to be paying attention to. So usually our farms that are going above and beyond, thinking about environmental sustainability and innovative things, direct-to-consumer marketing, they do have legal concerns, but as long as they're looking into their zoning code and talking with those local regulatory officials that they're getting food service permits when they need them um, and paying attention to those fundamentals, there's usually not too many other burdensome environmental laws or those sorts of regulations that are going to come into play. You know, even someone who wants to open up a little coffee shop. I mean, there's, there's going to be rules that come with that. you got to get your, you know, your food safety certification and your license to operate. And it's the same if a farm decides to open a coffee shop. When it comes to potential accidents or maybe even natural disasters on the farm, how can farmers kind of work legally to minimize some of those risks? The number one suggestion I have is insurance. And to get the right insurance, you have to have a good relationship with your insurance agent. So I can't stress enough to find an insurance agent who you trust. Tell them the things that you're doing. Tell them the things that you're worried about. Tell them about the assets that are really important to your operation, the markets that are really essential to your profitability. Now, farmers are a little resistant to that because if they're like, well, yeah, I mean, if the insurance agent knows that my direct-to-consumer operations are really important and I'm going to build them, well, then he or she is going to try to sell me another policy and my, my premium is going to go up. And that might actually be the case. But look, if, if on one hand we're paying good money for an insurance policy that doesn't cover the risks that are important to us, and on the other hand we're paying a little bit more for a policy that does... I'm going to take the little bit more because I, I know my money is being spent wisely. I know I'm getting the coverage that I want that is going to help me become resilient instead of the coverage that doesn't actually cover the risks that I am concerned about. So focus on insurance because the key value here is that when bad things happen like you know, liability, lawsuits, food safety, um, something like that. You really need that, the attorney that the insurance company provides to go to bat for you to say, look, they did nothing wrong. 
So that's that's really valuable. And when it comes to something like property insurance, where we're concerned more with natural disasters and, and those sorts of things, you need that good relationship where you understand, is the barn roof covered? And you know that ahead of time. So it's not a surprise to you that all of a sudden, ooh, the hoop house plastic, not covered, you know, because that's pretty devastating when you find out after the fact. When it comes to smooth succession planning for the farm, are there any suggestions you have taking those legal steps to make it an easier transition from generation to generation? When we're talking smooth succession planning, legal tools aren't the way that necessarily gets us there. The legal tools are there to put the plan in place once you've already come up with it. The hard part is coming up with it. And the only way from here to there is good conversations. Trusting, open, honest conversations where we can really put our concerns on the table and talk about what will work. Some family dynamics can't support that, and that is a challenge. And I recommend seeing um, if there's any way that we can steer our relationships in that direction. You know, it's never too late to try to um, repair and improve so that we can have those good conversations. But if we can't, honestly, the law can't really fix that for us. You know, sure, we can still have a succession plan, but nothing about the way you draft a trust is going to guarantee that it's smooth. That was Rachel Armstrong, executive director of Farm Commons, along with us. She added that while strong, resilient farm businesses are built on a solid legal foundation, in the end, it's up to the farmer to decide what business structure works for them, because they're the only people who understand how one business structure will fit the little details and nuances of their farm the best. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.